This show is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney for legal advice. Views expressed by guests of the radio show are individual opinions and not endorsed by Maitri. Welcome friends. In today's episode, I am your host Nandini Ray and we will be discussing a very important social issue and that is teen dating violence. At the beginning of the show, I would like to share some statistics so that you know the seriousness of this issue. According to National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, nearly 20.9% of female high school students and 13.4% of male high school students report being physically or sexually abused by a dating partner. 57% of teens know someone who has been physically, sexually or verbally abusive in a dating relationship. 50% of youth reporting dating violence and rape also reported attempting suicide. 43% of dating college women reported experiencing abusive behavior from their partner. It's a huge, huge statistics. And when we are seeing these disturbing statistics, we all must remember that dating violence, sexual violence uh, and abuse, uh, intimate partner violence, domestic violence, these are always underreported crime. Various research findings show uh, that the effect of teen dating violence on physical health, mental health and educational outcome is significant. Youth victims are more likely to experience a depression and anxiety symptoms, engage in unhealthy behaviors like using tobacco, drugs and alcohol, uh, exhibit antisocial behavior and even think about suicide. So it is not easy to understand the complexity of this problem and it is important that we start talking about this issue. Many times I've seen that many people are uncomfortable um, you know, discussing this problem, this issue. And I think it is important to know that what young adults and our teens are thinking about this problem. Uh, the language used by teens when talking about their dating relationship may be unfamiliar to adults including their parents, service providers, um, and unless we understand how teens and young adults are seeing this problem or facing this problem, uh, we won't be able to assess the depth of this problem. So I'm glad that today we have with us uh, some young adults as our guests. Uh, they are Navdeep Kaur, Javier Otega, and Manreet Dhariwal. All of them are college students and very much interested in discussing this topic. Having been teenagers fairly recently, I believe they can bring teen perspective um, into the discussion. I think by acknowledging this problem and having multiple discussions on this issue, we will be able to raise awareness and ultimately, I hope, ultimately we will prevent teen dating violence. So welcome you all, um, welcome our guest and uh, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Say something about you. Hi, everyone. My name is Javier Ortega. I am a senior at Santa Clara University studying political science and ethnic studies. Uh, and I was born and raised in San Jose. Hi, my name is Manreed Dariwal. I go to Santa Clara University. I'm a third year student uh, majoring in communication and ethnic studies. And I'm very passionate about social justice issues. So I'm happy to be here today. Hi everyone, my name is Navdeep Kaur and I go to De Anza College. I'm a second year student and they're studying political science and sociology. Thank you all. Thank you for coming to our show. 
while you were teenagers, I'm sure you saw this problem in the teen community and all the challenges associated with it. So I would love to get your perspective on the issue. So tell me, what is a healthy dating relationship in your opinion? And how can one identify uh, the dating relationship they are in is uh, not healthy? So in my opinion, I think uh, healthy relationships include good communication. And by that, I mean like they aren't checking each other's phones, aren't like asking each other for their social media passwords. I'm talking about like, you know, like you have trust in the other individual and vice versa. From my experience, I think it's not healthy for individuals to have always be on each other's phones. Like, oh, who are you texting? Who are you Mm. calling? Like, who's this person? that healthy signs of a relationship um so i agree with javier on that um and recently i took a relationships class at de anza for my major and we were talking about relationships and that usually people can identify if their partner is being abusive by what javier said by um, checking each other's phone always controlling the other partner or telling you what to do which is not healthy at all for the relationship and you should have a say in like what you want to do what you want to wear who you're friends with and all of that and your partner should definitely not be controlling of who you're friends with and who you're not friends with or basically anything that you like doing or talking about or anything that relates to your life that you love doing um, I think Javier and Navdi pretty much covered everything. Um, I would just say that realizing when you're in a abusive relationship, I think that's the harder part. Like Navdeep said, obviously, like, you know in your mind that, okay, wait, like, this is not right. This person is being controlling or this person is being abusive. But I think when you're entangled in that manipulation, it's very hard to get out of it, especially when you're a teenager and you're still new at it and you don't have much support because you're you're still finding your place of acceptance whether that's within high school or whether that's at home. So what I have been uh, hearing from you that healthy dating relationship involves honesty, trust, mutual respect, and uh, open communication between dating partners. And uh, there shouldn't be any imbalance of power between them. Partners should respect each other's independence, can make their own decision about, you know, if someone can make their own decision without any fear. And, um, you know, they should have equal say in decision making, right? What do you think? Uh, Yes, I agree. I believe that there should be mutual respect amongst both partners and there shouldn't be like power dynamics, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like there shouldn't be like, oh, one has more stronger say than the other. Especially if it's a heterosexual relationship, you know, the male shouldn't be always the one that is dominating the relationship. Like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. Because that's a very common theme. Obviously, it can happen either way, but it's more common that the male individual is the one with the power balance. Yeah, many times, you know, sometimes uh, when people start new relationship, they don't understand what is healthy and what is uh, not healthy, what is toxic relationship. And they just, you know, suffer in silence without even understanding that what is happening with them uh, may not healthy. So this is very important that we discuss this problem among us as a society, as a community members, as uh, as college students, as friends. Uh, and we are i have seen that people are very open and very comfortable discussing terrorism discussing gang violence uh, but when it is coming to dating violence or um, you know domestic violence they feel shy they feel uncomfortable and that shouldn't be the case and we must discuss this problem otherwise we won't be able to find solution 
for today's teens, I think digital technology is an extension of their everyday lives. I, I, I see my son, who's a teenager, always on the phone. Uh, so digital abuse also is a growing form of abuse, which uh, can include unwanted or repeated calls or text messages, private violations such as uh, breaking into email or social networking accounts, and pressure to send nude or private pictures or videos. Um, so this is, is growing, I think. I want to share a story here. Once um, a college student told me that she had her first boyfriend when she was 15 years old. And her boyfriend used to send her about 20 or more text messages every day. Uh, he wanted to know her every move. He wanted to take the final decision on everything related to her. So initially she thought, oh, it's so romantic. He loves me more than anything um, as he is always thinking about me. He, I am like, um, you know, he's only thinking that how he can make me happy, something like that. But after two years, she started feeling suffocated and she understood that it was not love, actually. It was possessiveness. It was control. Uh, so when she, she wanted to break the relationship, and at that time it was, you know, nightmare. He became so violent. Actually, he couldn't take the rejection. And he became so nasty on social media, published her uh, intimate photos. It was uh, very bad. So do you think digital abuse is prevalent in youth world? The story I shared with you, can it be an isolated incident or is it very common in youth world? So tell us about digital abuse, how prevalent this is in youth world. Uh, I think digital violence is very prevalent within teens. Uh, I remember, I think the first time that I heard about it, I think it was in the sixth grade and it was before like Facebook and social media was really taking off. So it's really kind of evolved as like, you know, technology has advanced. I feel like it's very prevalent. So like, so you said sixth grade. Yeah. So from sixth grade, uh, you know, kids are so active on social media. Uh, Yeah. In today's age. Yeah. I know my little cousin, he's like in the fifth grade. He has his own like Instagram account. Wow. He never, never uses it, but he has it. He has a Snapchat account. So as he, well. if they have access to it, they can use it to abuse someone, right? Like bullying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Go on, please. Uh, so, I mean, social media can be a tool, but it's gonna, it can be a tool for dating violence as well. Uh, bullying, uh, harassment of different uh, different kinds. Uh, I feel like I've definitely experienced that from like middle school onward. Like it's been very prevalent. I've always heard about it. I've always seen it. Um, and I feel like it hasn't really ended. If anything, it's gotten bigger and bigger uh, within the teen community. I would say digital communication has, has actually transformed into a, a um, form of abuse. Just because I feel like before, like there were disagreements between, you know, friends, peers, whatever it may be. And I think since as, you know, like, the social media platforms are progressing that's why we're finding ways to use abuse on social media as well right and so i think like for me personally i didn't really experience like you know like any digital abuse in middle school but in high school it was very big i remember a lot of people getting their nudes leaked and so i think that was like probably one of like the biggest like biggest problems within like my high school was that i always heard about it and i think i actually didn't like make any social media account until i was a sophomore so i wasn't very like familiar with it but i always heard like my friends going through it and like you know stuff happening nudes getting leaked all these like different pictures getting leaked and it was it was a mess so i think it's very very common within like the teenage community yeah, I definitely agree with Manreet. Um, 
And like Javier was saying, kids at a very young age have like started to use social media. I remember even like when I was in sixth grade, like Facebook was a really big thing back then. And now it's Instagram or Snapchat. I feel like with social media, I mean, we're not blaming it, but like kids are definitely using it to like attack or abuse other people through it like even simple things like oh you didn't like my picture you didn't comment (laughs) or you haven't messaged me like in this much time or whatever you haven't seen my stories or like just small things like that like start huge arguments and like (laughs) end relationships no matter like how ridiculous it sounds but that's just like what it's come to so I have one question in mind um, that what can teens do to avoid uh, digital abuse? What do you think? What can they do? This is, a, this is a difficult one, but I would say if you want to avoid it all, the best way is just to not have social media. Uh, oh, that will be very difficult for many teens, right? If we are like as a parent, if I'm telling my son don't have a social media account, will that be easy? As a mother, I'm very concerned that can we say that to our teen children? Probably not. I feel like that has to come from them. You know, like there has to be like, you know, what, like I've, everything that's going on, like depending on the situation. Right. But like they may be experiencing some some form of abuse and they're just like, you know what, the best way to avoid all this is just delete my account, delete, stay away from that space. But that's also a very difficult decision. But like others have said, like they've joined social media late or they guess there's, it's not their thing. I know a lot of friends from high school didn't ever have social media, don't even use social media now. So it is possible, but it is depending but on the situation. It has to come from them, right? Yeah. So parents, if they are telling them that do not have social media, they may see it as a control, controlling parent. And uh, what I'm understanding, we can do one thing, we can talk about the issue, what kind of danger they may see yeah. uh, through social media abuse. And we can only raise awareness by communication, by discussing the issue and problem. And what about you, uh, Manreet? I think everybody has like their way to deal with stuff individually. And I think necessarily parents should not tell their kids to not have social media because that's just I feel like that's just like teenage 101 right like when you tell your kids not to do something they're going to do it and I think (laughs) so I think that would probably not be the best way to go about it but I think more so like normalizing that idea of that okay there's a possibility that you will get abused or there's a possibility that this will happen just having that in mind will really prevent them you know like feeling isolated from you know from being able to express their feelings if you know god forbid they are in that situation right i think like like what man reads and like parents shouldn't like you know tell their kids because like kids are going to be rebellious but also that kids or anyone teenagers they should keep in mind that like just in case this happens like they should share it with someone and if they can't share it like maybe avoid social media for a while like um i had a friend like who went through that and like just like being away from social media really helped her for a while you know so that's one possibility Mm, thank you for sharing your thoughts listeners if you are a teen and listening to this show then i would like to say that it's important to know and exercise your digital rights you have the right to turn off your phone and spend time with friends and family without your dating partner getting angry. Uh, You have the right to say no to sexting 
are sending pictures or information digitally to your dating partner and you are not comfortable, that you are not comfortable with. Um, you have the right to keep your logins and password uh, private. You have the right to control your own privacy setting on social networking sites. You have the right to feel safe and respected in your relationship online or off. I would also urge you to visit a National Domestic Violence Hotline's website to get more resources and information on preventing digital abuse. So those who are just tuned in, we are discussing a very important, um, very serious um, community topic, community issue, and that is teen dating violence. I'm your host, Nandini Ray, and I'm discussing uh, this topic with three college students, Navdeep, Manreet, and Javier, at the Maitri Show Between Friends. Let's take a short break. We will be back soon. So let's continue our discussion. Um, do you think teens are equipped to identify abuse in their relationship? Do they get any training uh, from their parents or family members, schools or community? How to identify um, abuse in dating relationship or how to talk about this issue? Um, I, 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 let me ask you a personal question. Did you feel equipped to identify relationship abuse when you were teens? Anything you, um, you, know, you can share? Um, I think personally, I was not equipped because I didn't have any information from my parents or from the school about what dating violence was or like if I were to, you know, like or what positive signs and what toxic signs were in a relationship. I didn't have any of that information. Um, And I think not just even not just like talking about myself. I think a lot of like my friends and like other people that I interacted with in high school, a lot of them went through similar situations where they found themselves like in situations you know that like either abusive relationships or you know like digital abuse like they found themselves going through this and they were not equipped and like i think talking to like the the school counselor does not really help because like really yeah i think like yeah that that's that's there and like you know that's um, a resource for you but i think schools do not really do a good job with providing counselors and i can even say that about santa clara university um our counselors well luckily i found a counselor and like i've i could connect with her really well but i feel like in terms of diversity too like we we lack diversity within our counselors and i think that's a really big issue because if teenage do not have a background like connect with their counselor with an adult who whom they need to like trust right in order to really talk about their pain to talk about their abuse then they're not gonna they're not gonna share and then they're that's when you know depression societal thoughts begin so it's good that we are having this discussion for our community members on a community platform i'm so glad that you three came and you are willing to discuss this issue so javier what what do you think what's your thought on it on this yeah uh, i agree with what manrit said i think teens are generally not prepared to handle dating violence or social media violence or just harassment in general. Uh, I feel like it's for various reasons, but it's very hard for students, especially students of color, I feel, to talk about uh, these issues with their parents. Uh, I feel like it's it's a two-way street, but no one's really crossed any other side. So it's very difficult for, I guess, for parents or like uh, family members to open up uh, with their, their children about this and vice versa, especially if they're teenagers. Um, 
and just like what they're exposed to like for example like it's very easy for individuals i guess make a fake social media account and then bully an individual or harass an individual and it, sometimes when those situations happen when harassment happens they, they don't know who to go to like uh, my said they don't have an adult that maybe they really trust whether it be a counselor a teacher of a uh, uncle whatever it is right like they don't have that individual in their life where they feel like that trust to open up about what they're going through and what what to do about the situation so it is very hard that if they are going through any abuse in their relationship and if they cannot share that pain with their parents family members and on top of it if they don't have any system in school or uh, in the community that they can get help from and uh, then it is I, i can understand the pain they uh, they go through um hearing from you too um it's it's really um it i feel that it's really our uh, community um uh, you know responsibility to make um to make a platform or to make a culture uh, in the family or in the communities uh, in school um as so that uh, teens they feel comfortable sharing their uh, their pain with with us uh, with adults with trusted adults and they feel comfortable uh, sharing their uh, problems with uh, with each other and they get some resources so that uh, so that they can get right help um uh, navdeep uh, what do you want to add do you want to add anything any personal story anything you want to add um yeah i'd like to elaborate a little bit on what manit and javier said um and also add on a little bit about friendship um i think if there's like any type of 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 abuse going on or um like to identify it people usually go to their friends first because like they're more um trusted friends um in order to get advice or something like that but there's only so much that friends can do um especially if um your friends have like never met your family or something there's only so much that they could do and that's usually when they refer you or give you advice to go see a counselor or a therapist at school but like manreet said um counselors and therapists there's definitely a lack of diversity there and personally i have I have been to um a therapist at Notre Dame Dinamore University. I went there for a year before um transferring back to Dianza. And although like um he understood um my problems that I was going through at the time, but um it's just like so hard um to talk about what you're going through already, but then also having to explain the cultural aspects of that. And um When I came to Dianza like uh, right now um I have an advisor and she's very nice and understanding but then again there's that lack of culture and lack of diversity and it's just hard to explain um everything all over again and then having to explain why it's happening or like what's the reasoning behind it um or the cultural reasonings which is like usually the aspect behind it I think just like adding on to that um I think lack of cultural sensitivity is like one of the key factors of you know like teenagers teenagers going through stuff and then not being able to get out of it because I think also like it's we have a community problem to like not see mental mental illness or if somebody is going through something internally to not see it as a form of pain right if somebody gets hurt physically we're very caring we're like oh my god what happened right and we're ready to take action but when there's when there's somebody's going through something emotionally you know something that's internal we don't we don't really pay attention to it we neglect it in a way right and that's when 
that whole isolation, depression, suicidal thoughts comes in, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was reading uh, an article that uh, teen dating, um, not teen dating violence, teen suicide rate is really increasing um, in, a, in a very scary rate. I mean, um, we this is high time, I think, that we need to talk about this issue. We need to understand, we need to acknowledge that uh, teen dating violence, uh, suicide, this kind of thing is happening with our teen uh, children. Uh, and we must discuss this issue to find a solution and many times I have seen um, that uh, uh, people are uh, community members, adult community members, they are, are not comfortable uh, discussing this problem and uh, they think that if, if we don't discuss this problem it will go away. I'm not talking about all uh, community members, all adult members but I've seen a couple of um, you know uh, adult members i've seen that they have this kind of attitude that oh we we are parents we are adult we know everything we don't need to uh, we don't need to uh, learn from our uh, teen children and whatever we will say they will do that um, it's for their own good i understand that all parents they uh, they want best for their children and i'm a parent i also uh, think sometimes maybe i know the best but i know everything but then again, I keep reminding me that no, I'm, it's, it's important that I should have a conversation with my, uh, teen children and to understand what they are facing, what they are going through and what kind of challenges they see every day in their life. Because teen world is completely different from adult world. And as an adult, if I, if I claim that, oh, I understand everything, what is going on in your uh, network, in, in, in your community, that will be a wrong, false um, claim. Um, so it is, it is important, I think, uh, though I am very um, glad, I'm very hopeful that our community is, uh, is uh, a progressive community and they are trying their best. Many people are trying their best to uh, raise, um, you know, important questions, important discussing important social issues that are affecting our families, our individuals in our communities and and uh, want to um want to find a solution but at the same time i would uh, say that uh, this is a this is a long way we have to go and it's communication is the key communication is very important to have a clear communication a proper communication with our children um and with teens uh, to understand what uh, what challenges they are facing and how um they can um you know uh, solve the problem Problem. And it's it's not that if we are uh, talking about this issue um, in our only um, in our families or in individual uh, level uh, that nothing is going to change. We ha we have to bring that discussion um, on a community platform in a community level so that all of us can uh, can um, attend the discussion. All of can um, have share um, information knowledge so that we can we can make a beautiful, um, safe uh, community, future community. Um, so I was actually, since all three of you are uh, from immigrant communities, 
and I'm also from an immigrant community. So I just wanted to know that do you think immigrant parents are not comfortable uh, talking about dating relationship, dating violence uh, with their children? And uh, if that is the case, what can parents do to help? As a parent, I really want to know how can I start the conversation with my uh, my teenage uh, boy and um, teenage son and uh, what parents, immigrant parents can do to help their children to understand the problem they are going through. Do you think that we are not doing enough to understand our children's problem? In a way, yes. I feel that parents have to build a strong relationship with their child where there's trust. And I know it's difficult to open up about certain issues such as dating violence or dating in general because uh, it's a very taboo subject. Obviously, the, if you look back 20, 30 years ago, how teenagers were, were growing up, uh, it was very different. Mm-hmm. So all this is new to both the the child and the parent, right? Like it's this is a whole social media technology, like this new era. It's very uh, different, especially with all the statistics that you've thrown out already. Uh, it's very different to how it was a while ago. Uh, so I think parents have to understand, like like you said, like we're not perfect. We're we're human beings. Uh, we come from like our cultural aspects, like. We're different, right? Like we're an immigrant community, but we have to acknowledge that we can be better. We can improve. Um, first step is within yourself, and then going going about that. I don't know if anyone else has anything to add to that. Um. So I think. Um. And going back a little bit to the previous question, um, that kids don't open up about abuse to their parents or digital abuse, any type of abuse, because. Like Javier was saying, parents need to build a trusting and honest relationship with their children. And I feel like in immigrant communities or immigrant parents usually don't like to do that. Not that they don't like to do that. They're just, uh, it's very hard for them to open up about such subjects. And um, like you were saying, Nandini, before, it's, um, they just think that it'll go away or like my children won't do these things if I don't talk about it with them or they're not going to learn about it um, if we don't talk about it at home, you know. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons children aren't able to open up to their parents. And or maybe then, do you think maybe sometimes parents think that, um, you know, my um, I cannot even imagine my 16 year old uh, son or daughter. Uh, they are in kind of any kind of relationship. They, they are child. They are, they are children. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, um, they are children and they cannot uh, uh, think of dating someone or dating relationship is a completely unknown uh, subject to them. Maybe that is the reason they don't talk about it or they are hesitant to talk about it. What do you think? Can be, I mean, how... Um, naive um, we are I mean I'm an, uh, I'm a parent I'm a mother of a teenage son and I sometimes I think um, if I think that my boy my son is not thinking of um, other girls uh, is, is it naive uh, is it uh, I mean <laughs> he, he can you know I really want to uh, want you to talk about this issue yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree that um, a lot of parents, especially immigrant parents, think that because, um, like we were saying before, um, teenagers like 20, 30 years ago, it was way different. There was no social media. Um, like, teenagers didn't, like, go out and meet each other, you know, like, just openly. 
And um, now everything is different. There's social media to interact with if you're in a long distance relationship or um, people are able to like make <laughs> all kinds of excuses to go out, you know. Um, so I definitely think that that is something that um, parents should take into consideration that just because your child is not um, is not talking to you about something, that doesn't mean that they don't know about it or they're not going through it. Um, I think adding on when your teenage years, I don't, you're not with your, your daughter, your son, your child as much, right? You, there's eight hours of school. Then most of us have extracurricular activities, right? Anything. There's like another two hours there. That's 10 hours. When do you see your kid at dinner? Right. And I think as you grow older, you barely want to talk to your parents anyways. Right. So I think in that, I, I don't blame parents for thinking that their kids are naive or they're not going to do anything because you barely interact with your kids in that way. You barely see how they are outside of, you know, the your home place, right? So you barely see that. But I think you have to normalize the idea of dating, right? And I, I don't think you have to normalize the idea of like, oh, yeah, well, you know, like in freshman year, you, you have to have a boyfriend. No, I'm talking about normalizing the idea that there could be a possibility that you do get abused. There could be a possibility that your kid is going through something. And I think it's very important that you talk about that. You talk about what dating is. You talk about what abuse is. You lay out those issues in front of your kids because without that, you're, there's always be that what if, right? Oh, like, oh, well, what if my kid isn't doing that? Or what if my kid is doing that, right? It's better to just clarify it and let your, your kid know that these things exist. This is out there. This can happen happen to you and then go go on from there right because personally my mom never had the talk with me right so the talk that we all have right puberty all that never had the talk my sophomore year my mom just started giving me that like these these you know like these little lectures little rants about how I shouldn't have a boyfriend and like I in my head I was like what like what like boyfriend relationship what like I don't I don't get this right like why am I all of a sudden like always like being reminded don't have a boyfriend don't have a boyfriend right like what is how do you even get a boyfriend first of all right because I think like when you're in high school you're just like like how you're trying to fit into your high school then you gotta go home and do it with your parents like it's it's a mess right you're a mess yourself so I think that that like just that whole idea it has to be normalized and it's a it's a cultural change right it can't it can't just be all right, like tomorrow we're going to, you know, like create a change. No, it has to be a cultural movement because it's, it's, it's an issue that, that lacks cultural sensitivity because we as immigrant community, we have a different environment here than our parents did, you know, in their home country. And I think that's, that's definitely not an excuse for our parents to kind of say that, oh, well, if we weren't allowed to do it, you can't do it. Because then we're here in a different community here. I'm integrated within this society right now. Right. So I have to keep both aspects in mind. So what I'm hearing, what I'm understanding, that it is very important uh, to have communication, uh, open communication between parents and teens, parents and children, so that they don't get scared to share their fear, whatever they are going through, their challenges with with us, with parents, with trusted adults, uh, so that even if they are going through any dating abuse or dating relationship, it's it's okay to talk to um, their parents about that issue, so that um, if they if they face any challenges, we can uh, together we can face that challenge. We can together we can 
um, help each other to understand the situation. It is always uh, good to know the resources uh, that can help when you are in abuse. And, um, you know, when we were discussing this issue, Manreet, you raised a very important uh, um, point that mental health and sometimes we we ignore mental health. We are, If we are having fever and we are sharing uh, that information with, uh, with uh, a stranger, I'm having fever and, you know, I'm going to a doctor. Uh, but if we are having some uh, mental health um, illness, uh, we don't uh, talk about this issue with even with our uh, family members. And that that taboo uh, needs to be gone. We we should um, see uh, mental health also as a as a important. Uh, part of our life like uh, if uh, our children they are facing mental health issue and it is important for us to uh, get proper help um, if, if someone is say, thinking that oh it will go away and um, if I go to uh, a counselor or, or if I see if I see a doctor uh, my um, for my sons or my daughter's mental health problem and or illness and then the community will find out uh, what people will say and that is a big issue that sometimes we put um, in front of our um, our own children and that shouldn't be the case um, I'm not preaching here I'm not you know uh, giving any gyan any advice to any listener but I'm just sharing my own thought that sometimes we we fail to understand our children the pain they are going through um, and sometimes they see uh, they are between uh, the you know they're seeing the clash between two cultures at home we expect something at when they're out there in the community with their own peers they see some other um, cultural uh, challenges nuances and if we don't help them then who who will and it is it is very important to talk about this issue with your children to understand uh, what they think what is your thoughts on a community's role in preventing teen dating violence? What community as a you know community members, not your family, not only your family, other people, community uh, can do to prevent? And can you share anything that you took responsibility as a bystander? Or because you know sometimes people don't understand that bystander they can um, they can play a crucial role in preventing uh, dating abuse so can you share anything as a community member as a friend you did something um, as a bystander um, intervention uh, yes I think as communities of color uh, specifically you know most of us being first or second generation immigrants uh, I think we have to understand like the social implications and cultural implications of like how there's a lack of discussion about dating and dating violence in our community mental health as well um so looking historically and like how we as a community can have these conversations, right? And looking at how we can do away with these structures of, uh, you know, sexism and other forms of isms that lead to like the lack of conversations uh, such as dating violence. So I think that's as a community member, you have to be understanding of your, the space that you're in uh, and looking specifically how you can dismantle these, I guess, systems of oppression, if that makes any sense. Uh, and if you see something, say something, you know. I don't think that's mm. too hard to do, but I mean, it depends on the situation, I suppose. So do you have any personal um, experience you, can, you want to share with us? 
yeah. So in, uh, in high school, like uh, it was mentioned earlier, it's very common for when these situations arise that you go to your friends. So I, I recall a friend of mine in high school like, hey, this, and this is what's going on. And I did notice a few changes in him and I did reach out beforehand, but he didn't really open up until later about this uh, person he was dating at the time. It was a very difficult situation. She was very manipulative and he was he didn't really know how to understand or how to grapple with the situation because he, he understood it to be like, oh, this is how it should be. Like, this is how a relationship should be. Like, he she had all his passwords. He was always like, oh, well, where are you at? Like, when he, once he got out of work, like, oh, like, what are you going to do right after? Like, I know you guys got off work. Like, all these different things. So she knew what he was going to do and, uh, like, at every moment. So it was very hard for him to, like, he felt suffocated. So he didn't know what to do. And so... Uh, I think I just told him, you know, like, like, hey, we got to figure this out. And then he, it was a very tough breakup for him, but he finally was able to overcome the situation. But uh, it was after we talked to an adult uh, who we trusted at school. Hmm. Uh, thankfully, the individual was someone that we trusted and we, we looked up to. So uh, it was a difficult situation, but uh, those are the situations that kind of play out. I feel like they still are common today. So you raised a couple of good uh, points here, but um, I would also, you know, talk about that uh, thing because I have seen that many people think that, yes, I know if you see the statistics, um, more you will see find that victims, survivors are women, female and uh, male are more most of the cases uh, boys and men they are the statistics is heavier but here people should know and people should understand that it can be other way around women can be abusive too at matri we get calls from male victims they are abused by their female partner and also the, the, the story you shared that uh, she was um, abusive to him. And it's sometimes if that is the case, many times men or boys, they feel, uh, they feel um, uncomfortable reaching out for help or they don't know how to share their, their feelings, their, uh, their pain with someone else. They think that people will judge them. People will tell them that you are a boy, you are a boy, you are a man. Uh, how come you are abused by, um, by a female by a something like that so yeah. that kind of man box i mean we are pushing our boys to to the man box that if you are a man you can say this thing or cannot say that thing i'm i'm, I'm glad that you shared that story uh, what yeah. about you guys do you want to share anything i think i think i would i would just like to add on that there's there's ways to kind of change negative addiction into like positive form reform methods right um i think for one i think as a south asian woman i've always had that idea of ijit or anik very very common very it's very present within our community um and i think it's always kind of it's always portrayed in a with a negative connotation like there's always that like oh well women are the one that never can never carry that ijit they're the only ones that can you know like abuse it or like you know kind of like you know, shaking it or whatever it may be, right? And there's always that that dominance that men carry the Egypt, they carry the honor and women are just there to, you know, like to make sure that they don't do anything to harm it, right? But I think there's positive ways to go about that, right? Like you don't have to necessarily put it in a, a negative way, right? So like Anik, like it's it's a form of identity, right? So you can talk about with your, your kids or like even like with, you know, anyone with women right like you can talk about that how to how to change that and how to change 
all these words that we've, all these words and all these actions that we've been doing for so long within our community that are toxic, that are negative, that constantly degrade women, we can change those into ways of like positivity. And like you can talk about honor, honor, right? Being a form of identity and it being individual, not being, you know, your, your identity not being linked to your parents, right? Because I think constantly, like, I'm always told that idea how, like, I have to keep up with my my parents' image or keep up with, you know, what they're doing. But I feel like necessarily I don't have to. I respect them. But there's those boundaries that have to be set for me to live on my, my individuality, my identity. And I think that's very important to normalize within our society because this is one of the key factors that keep children from interacting with their parents, keep children from being able to openly express their abuses, their their traumas with their parents because they're constantly worried about their image. And I can say that from personal experience because when this year I or not this year, we just started twenty twenty, but last year, um I, I went through severe depression and I, I talked to my parents about it and my parents, when I told them that, you know, I wanted to go to therapy, I think my mom was very hesitant because she was like, Oh well you know, like when you're gonna apply for jobs, what if they what if they say that you're emotionally unstable, right? And I think like I was just so shocked and like obviously I'm used to it now, right? I've been with my parents for so long, so I'm used to it. I'm used to getting those kind of reactions from them. But I think when I reflect, you know, by myself, I'm like, wow, like my parents are more worried about the image that I'm a half to society than than my own like well being, my own sanity, right? I think you have to it's very, very, very important to normalize the idea of having your individuality, having your sanity, rather than, you know, how, like Nandini was saying, or like, you know, like, all that, all those toxic ideas that are very present within our society. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you on that. And going back to the point that um, men carry the ijit or the arnik and that they shouldn't, they shouldn't ever um face any type of mental illness i feel that's feel like that's a very toxic idea ideal i or idea within our (laughs) within our within our culture that um that if you if you're a male and you're going through mental illness and if you tell someone people are just going to be like oh but you're a man like why are you going through this like you shouldn't be going through this that's like something that women go through you know and um also like you were saying about mental illness i was very hesitant to talk to my mom about it because um i knew she would react this way she would say oh like it's nothing you know but i finally got the courage to talk to her about it and i was really hopeful that you know she wouldn't react that way that oh she would understand over time you know but um time and time again like I would talk to her like oh maybe now she'll understand you know but it was always the same response that oh there's no such thing as depression you're just sad for no reason or I feel like there's also this um, idea that parents have especially immigrant parents that our children haven't gone through the same things that we have like we had to leave our homeland we had to um you know cross over to this country we had to do all these things we had to build ourselves up from nothing and that our children don't have have to do that because we're providing for them and therefore they shouldn't be facing any mental illness because they didn't go through the same problems that we have and I think um, parents should also address that as well because um, even though we, we're not going through those problems, there's many more problems arising day in day um, that we have to go through ourselves. 
Thank you for this wonderful discussion. We are almost uh, running out of time. I really don't want to end this discussion. If you and anyone you know are in an unhealthy dating relationship, creating a safety plan can be very helpful. Whether you decide to end the relationship or stay, it's a good idea to empower yourself with the knowledge of how to act in different scenarios. If you're listening, uh, please note down this um, website www.loveisrespect.org and they have a section on create a safety plan. Uh, please read that. Um, also, uh, whenever you have time, check out the relationship spectrum on that uh, website. This can uh, tell you where your relationship falls. If you think that your friend or family members may be in an unhealthy or abusive relationship, one way to provide support is to ask questions about how they are feeling about the relationship and reflect on that together. Let them know that no matter what, you will be supporting them. You can provide them information on programs that they can use when they are ready to seek help. You can Google search to find your local organizations that support survivors of dating violence. There are many organizations that provide direct services to young people, young adults and teens who are experiencing dating violence. Please go to wanate.org vawnet.org um, there you will find a list of organizations uh, local as well as national that work with teens and young adults thank you